I almost forgot to say record, if I'm being honest. That's okay. I mean, we're just rolling <laughs> right now, so I guess we'll just start whenever you do. Okay, let me get my wiggles out. Nice. Do you ever feel that way, or you just got to wiggle a little bit? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I'm I, I'm pretty much always either cracking my neck or, like, moving around. I got to do something. Me too. When I was a kid, I... I might actually keep this shit in, but when I was a kid, <laughs> I was jumping on the trampoline with my brother. My brother is, he's a great person now, but he was kind of a little asshole before. Um, right. And he, like, I didn't really know about double bouncing, but he was like, yeah, I'm going to double bounce you and you're going to go, like, really high. It'll be so cool. Like, just keep your, he was like, okay, jump off the house. I forgot to say that we were jumping off the house. Onto oh, the trampoline. yeah, that makes it much better. Yeah, it's so much better. And he's like, keep your legs locked. When yeah. you hit the trampoline. You're going to fucking, oh, man. Oh, yeah. So I jump off, not knowing that he jumped off with me, and I lock my legs, and I hit the trampoline, oh. and he fucking double bounces me, and I launch off, go a full, like, 180. I go upside down, and then I hit the fence and hit my head, like, on the ground. I basically just landed on my head. Jesus. My brother thought I was dead. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's too many people who have stories like these, and they're still like, yep, and now here I am. Dude, I've got a strong fucking neck now. I honestly, I'm almost 100% sure that I, like, broke my neck as a kid, and just nothing happened, and I'm probably so dysfunctional because I got a concussion. The the most interesting thing is, people say that, like, parents now are so obsessed with keeping their kids, like, protected. It seems like every generation before was so not just yeah. not at all like my mom when that happened she came outside she's like what happened and i told her the story and she's like oh okay we're just like <laughs> walk well, it off yeah she was like just sleep it off like you'll just you'll sleep in your brother's room tonight he'll watch you and i'm like okay like that's cool not thinking like years later you, you hear shit and it's like hey if you have a head injury you might have a concussion don't go to sleep because you might fall into a coma and i'm like fuck dude my mom almost was like if i had a concussion she might have just killed me Maybe. I mean, who knows? It could still creep up a little bit later. That's true. I just get into a coma. I fall into a coma tonight. Oh, man. I'd be so confused next week. (laughs) How would would we do the podcast? Yeah, 12 years later, I fall into a coma. They're like those delayed concussions, man. They get people. It's true. They sneak up on you. Yeah, that's very true. But it's about time we actually do this podcast. Maybe. Hello and welcome to Indie Incursion, an indie games podcast, your weekly source for all the indie games news you need to know. Fuck you, Josh. I actually changed it this time because I fucked it up every single time and I'm done. Woo. All right. (laughs) End of the episode. We did it. (laughs) What else? What else do you need? Uh, Well, you need to know that we're bringing you three awesome indie game news stories, not including the awesome ones that we have in Newscram. But before we get to any of that, I need to introduce myself, Von Hyde. I'm one of your hosts alongside the illustrious, the biggest of Josh boys, the the average of Josh boys, actually. So, hello, big Josh boy. The biggest of average Josh boys, some might say. That Um, works, because maybe, like, the big is talking about tall. Because we've said that you're like you're like average or small because of your height. Yeah. But maybe the like biggest might be how well you are endowed. Just saying. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, ask my wife. From Show your up. voice, I can tell you. You've got, got that a deep, 
that yeah, deep you, voice. You got a thick package, you. like it's you've got a crowded, uh, a crowded pants piece. You know what I mean? The cod piece. Yeah. Mm. It's crowded. It's, uh, yeah, that's clearly what I'm known for. Just <laughs> <saying>. <laughs> if there was anything I wanted to be known for, it's that. So we're there you go. Well. When people are like, "Man, you're kind of short," you're like, "But I'm tall in other ways." You know what I mean? Give them that wink. Yeah, yeah. They always <laughs> go for that. That's how I get the ladies. That's how I got my wife. True story. That checks out. I feel like that would get it. Yeah, I mean, you I would did. get it. <laughs> she got it. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. How's what it have going? you been playing this week? <laughs> I know. I was like, how do I transition for this? Uh, Why even from... try anymore? I know, Just I guess... go right into it. Yeah, big dongs to big games. You know what I'm saying? Perfect. Uh, I finally, finally, got to play the Messenger Picnic Panic DLC. Did it live up to all your expectations? Did you ride the bone boat? I did ride the bone boat, and that also sounds <laughs> that sounds <laughs> like, like a the good transition. Transition, God damn <laughs> yeah. it! Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, cut the tape. We'll uh, we'll, we'll edit it. We'll just post. restart. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Restart the whole thing. This time we can finally get through it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I uh, I played the messenger. Honestly, I didn't like it. What? I know. No I'm so, way. And, I know, and I was so sad because I fucking loved The Messenger. I gave that shit a 9 when I reviewed it for Parallax Media back last year when it came out. And I was so hyped for it. And then it just, like, it wasn't that it was more of the same, because I would have enjoyed more of the same. The way it worked is it essentially you starts and you go do the bone boat thing and... Oh, right dude, off, you got to ride the bone boat right away? Right away. And right off the bat, you're basically like, here's a game that's not the messenger to start with for the DLC. And you're like, okay, but it's got the like ride thing. It's got this new mechanic. It's kind of interesting. They're playing around with stuff. And then it goes into the actual like, oh, I'm I'm going around. I'm fighting the levels. You know, it's, it's the normal uh, just zipping through, having a, a good time, like actually... It was just, it was very like the the actual game, just more of it with new enemies and new ways that you had to propel yourself. And I was like, okay, this is good. I really enjoy this. Like, I'm having fun with it. I get to the first boss, and it's this crazy totem pole boss that's like super, super tough in comparison to a lot of the other bosses in the game, which is fine. I loved the challenge. I thought it was awesome. But then, that's pretty much it. That's like the amount of messenger that you get. And then after that, it's a little bit of running around, more of the just going through the levels and exploring. And then it gives you this weird time trial event to like race another like dark shadow messenger version of yourself through levels. And then for some reason, the last boss in the DLC is just a remake of Punch-Out. They just literally put you in the big robot suit from, or big like... I don't even know what they are. I can't remember, but they're like the 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 people in the robes, the messengers. That they basically create this giant like mech robot looking thing, and it just turns into Punch Out. And you have to basically play a match of Punch Out against this guy and win three rounds. And it's super annoying. It doesn't play anything like the messenger. It's just this random gimmick. And then it ends. And I was like, what? What the hell? There was only one new like main actual like the game boss. And I was just like, damn, this is not what I wanted. And I really, like, first off, it's free, so I can't really complain because obviously I did get one extra boss and a new world, which is great. But, like, 
it just felt not at all polished i guess in that sense it just felt rushed and it seemed like just something that they had that they were just experimenting with which i guess is fine if they're gonna try to mix that in with like maybe a messenger 2 where they put more of that like i think that those elements could have worked if they were sprinkled in a little bit more but it was so compact that it was just like i just want the messenger i don't want this other random crap how long was the dlc because you got through all of it right you said the last boss so yeah i mean i played up until it rolled credits and it only took me like a couple hours um so it's not it's not like a crazy amount oh and plus another thing i forgot for some reason my save file like decided to forget that i say like i beat the game so i had to go through the entire last boss like the the world and fight the boss all over again just so I could play the DLC and I was so pissed because the final world and that boss are the hardest part of the game so me being a year off from playing this game coming back all rusty I was so fucking pissed because none of my mechanic like I just couldn't get any of the the combos down properly because I haven't done it in a year so I was like already frustrated and then I got into the game and didn't get like more of what I wanted so I was just I had this sour taste in my mouth the entire time so maybe like taking a step back it wasn't like it wasn't terrible it was good but it's just i don't know it just wasn't what i wanted that's actually you're not the first person to say that i believe like in the parallax discord somebody else said it and i and i think somebody else wrote into uh kfgd and was talking about it to be fair it seemed like i don't know it seems like people are somewhat condescending because they're like oh yeah you can just like go to that last level play the last level and then you get to play it which you were there to play more messenger anyway so why not just play through the last level but still i get why that would be annoying Mm -hmm. especially since like you prefaced it with saying that that's the toughest part of the game yeah like that it was it was really annoying because i basically had picked it up really late at night because i was i had done something all day and i just wanted to sit down and play for like an hour in the new dlc that had dropped that day and i was like really excited to play it and i basically spent my entire night just trying to beat that that part because i only had like an hour or so to beat that part and beat the final boss because it took me quite a few tries to get back into shape with the game because like it's not uh, like it's not the hardest of games but it's not an easy game either like it's not something you could just pick up and be like oh yep just like training wheel you know just just like riding a bike just pop, pop it on here we go like you can't it, it takes a little bit of time i was rusty i was just getting really pissed off it it wasn't it wasn't fun that really sucks i mean i feel like maybe the reason that you were so soured on it was because they did the best part first which is allowing you to ride the bone boat and then after that it was <laughs> all downhill, downhill. Yeah. yeah all downstream <laughs> uh yeah that could have been it that could have been it uh but you know it is what it is um the other thing i played was uh oh god what was it what's the name it was mutant alien assaults um i got a code from IO terminals and I started playing that with uh, with a buddy of mine. That was actually pretty fun. It was a good, nice, just like little pickup kind of game where it's couch co-op and you get to essentially go in these. They're kind of like procedurally generated, but not really. They're very similar. Um, but these little small. It's a two D. Uh, just you get various guns and have to shoot aliens that spawn on the map like over and over like you never change as far as what the map looks like but you're just running around shooting these aliens that pop out at you and as you keep playing you get more and more complex 
gun like weapons and and grenades and special attacks and these giant bosses start coming at you and meanwhile you have to do other things in the background like uh there's these pods that are like overheating you have to go to them really quickly and cool them down while you're worrying about enemies attacking you so it's like a very hectic fun little couch co-op um i had a blast with it i didn't get too far into it i think we got to like world two or three um but it was actually kind of tough uh it gets very overwhelming very quick yeah the art style looks really cool of course it's got some pixel art so i really enjoy that but i actually really like the weird like obscure aliens that just kind of look like blobs they look really interesting you and those like slime blob kind of characters i don't know i think i might have a fetish now it's, yeah, it's a little weird. That's your it's thing, like man. just things that are so ugly that they're cute. I think I'm starting to get really into it. <laughs> I but, I don't uh, know why. Whatever does it for you, buddy. Yeah, like the uh, the Dragon Quest slime. I've always hated it, always. And then the other day I looked at it and I was like, man, that's kind of cute. Like, <laughs> oh no, I like it a little bit. Oh no, <laughs> it kind of it just grows on you. I feel like slime is the. It's like kind of the dumbest enemy. It's the easiest enemy to defeat in a game. And I feel like it's probably one of the easiest things to create. But it seems like every game like does it in in their own way. They make it their own. Like, I don't know. It seems like uh, it seems like a rite of passage for anybody who wants to make like a pixel RPGs. You have to make a slime. And then <laughs> when you make the slime, you get to create your own version of a slime. And they're all different, which is so weird because it's just a fucking blob. It is literally just a blob. It's not hard at all to make. It's just a circle, sometimes with eyeballs. But I don't know. I just, it's awesome. I love slimes. I don't know why now, but it's it's fantastic. It's it's a new thing for me. All right. Well, what have you been playing? <laughs> So, I've been playing a couple things. Um, I'll get the the one I've been playing most, but not an indie game out real quick. I've been playing a lot of Division 2. I bought it at GameStop when it was 20 bucks. It's a lot of fun. I got a hippo plush. I'm very happy with it. Now I can see it on my backpack. I got a drone. I named it Emil. You don't actually name it. That's just in my head. Its name is Emil. Um, I've got <laughs> rolly okay. polies, like little, little like uh, kind of... They're basically the swarm grenades, um, and I haven't come up with a name for them yet, but they kind of like, I'm going to tell you right now, they kind of look like slimes, so that was kind of my thing. Mm, I was I like, see. That's how they get you. Yeah, they're cute. They're just little balls. Now I was like, all right, you, you got me. I like this. I like this a lot. Um, then, of course, I've been playing more Hyperlight Drifter on my Nintendo Switch. Super fun. I'm into the third area now, the Crystal Forest. It's so much fun. I enjoy it so much. Uh, Crystal Forest boss, huge bitch. Not a big fan. Um, He just basically hacks the shit out of you. He's got these little minions. You know what? I'm going to say right now, the thing I despise most about boss fights is when you don't just fight the boss, they also, like, the boss is, like, difficult enough. It's like, okay, this boss is annoying enough, and then they add in NPCs, and you're just like, oh, you just go fuck yourself now. Like, what What was the point of that? But the Crystal Forest boss is really interesting because there's only, I believe, five different NPCs that are actually within his arena. But hmm. if you get him to swing at you and then you dodge next to their crystals, you can actually have him kill them. Which hmm. It's super cool. So I really love that part. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm deep into that. And I have played a little bit of Eagle Island. 
I oh, enjoy it. Um, I I haven't played enough of it to really give my my thoughts on it. I've only played a little bit. It's way different than I imagined it would be. It's not like a like a Metroidvania style or anything like that. It's actually hmm. it's you go into it's more like roguelike than levels. anything. No, not even that. It's like you the procedural level. So you go into a level mm-hmm. and it's every time like I've died a shitload of times cuz it's actually pretty hard. Um and you die, you come back, it's completely different. You gain like more or less coins, you build up certain combos, you can buy different like trinkets and stuff like that. It's it's really fun. The only thing that I kind of have an issue with on a Nintendo Switch is I feel like aiming your uh, mm. your owl is kind of hard. Um, whereas I feel on on PC it might be a lot easier because it seems like it only really has like diagonals. But it kind of like has the ninety degree angle thing. Mm-hmm. Like it it it's not you don't have every area in between. Instead, it's just where your joystick can go. So it's kind of annoying, but. I, I enjoy it a lot. Um, I'm excited to play more, but I'm playing so much Hyperlight Drifter in Division 2, dude. It's like... Hey, man. How's, uh, how's Hollow Knight coming? Uh, fantastic, yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. I mean, it's really like cooking on the back burner, you know what I mean? Oh, Eventually, yeah. sure. f- five to ten years later, I will actually beat it. You know what's funny? I was, uh, I was on Twitter today, I believe, or either today or yesterday, and Grayson from Twinfinite said that three years and 80 hours later, he finally beat Persona 5. And I was like, this is going to be me in Hollow Knight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess, uh, I guess one day it'll be true. I mean, except for Hollow Knight's like like a 10 to 15 hour game, but whatever, dude, it's going to take me fucking 80 um, hours to do everything in it, so. Yeah, we'll see. Why not? I'm just because I'm bad at video games. Just <laughs> slacking. But speaking of video games that I love and am excited for, uh, our first news story is over on Polygon, and this is Psychonauts 2 now delayed to 2020. My heart breaks, Josh. My heart is broken. I'm not... I mean, I can't pull back the death thing, but I'm actually, I'm okay with this. I don't, I don't really mind at all, but I didn't actually think about this initially. So let's get into the news story and then we'll actually talk about it. Um, mm-hmm. So Psychonauts 2 is delayed again. This sequel to Double Fun's Productions 2005 cult hit now expected sometime in 2020. Studio boss Tim Schafer told donors in an update posted to the crowdfunding platform Fig on Wednesday. This is now the second pushback and third launch window for the game. Announced in 2015, Psychonauts 2 was originally due in 2018 and subsequently expected sometime this year. Uh, Plenty has happened for both the game and Double Fine over the past year. Um, However, I I think it's a little weird that they say, however, Microsoft bought the studio. I feel like that's a little weird, but whatever. Uh, However, Microsoft bought the studio for starters. It also uh, bought the publishing... Uh, publication rights to Psychonauts 2 for, uh, from the original publisher Starbreeze, which is in bankruptcy reorganization. Psychonauts 2 is still due on all platforms. Double Fine originally promised PlayStation 4, Windows PC, and Xbox One. Um, I believe, yeah, Double Fine said on Yende's posts, uh, we know it's always disappointing when you have to wait a bit longer, but we also know that you are an amazing supportive bunch who just, uh, who, just like us, want the game to be as good as possible. Uh, some backers are displeased with the news, and this guy is kind of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> he, 
I mean, I understand because you like Fig is kind of different. If this guy was, because you can do the investment level, right, where you're actually kind of like a shareholder, correct? Right. It's not just yeah. like Kickstarter. So I kind of understand, but I also have some questions about that. Um, but this guy writes, I am deeply disappointed in the commercial process that Psychonauts 2 has turned into, wrote investor some odd, I can't, I can't say that name. It's like Zika Dawena Wander Run. Good try. Good try. A for effort. Yeah, it's as close as I'm going to get because that's the dumbest name I've ever heard. Um, From my perspective, the crowdfunding money was used for kissing ass at conventions and now sell out candy to publishers. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I want to support the game, not your ego. This includes a reliable work schedule as the basis for a relationship with the consumer fan base that funded it. Uh, others were more forgiving, very happy with an extra time, and even with Microsoft Takeover, as long as we keep, uh, as long as you keep making the game independent. Wrote investor Aaron something. Um, great job of finding such a good new publisher. Uh, Psychonauts 2 was originally pegged for sometime between July and September of 2018, but in late 2017, Double Fine told donors that after completing the game's first playable build, developers needed more time to finish the game. Psychonauts 2 was announced at the Game Awards 2015 and subsequently crowdfunded in January 2016 with $3,829,024 in contribution from 24,109 backers. Holy crap. That was a lot to read. Yeah, that guy's a big bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's kind of true, though, in some ways. Uh, I just, it's, I, I find the ass-kissing thing a little bit fucked up in the sellout candy, but, I mean, yeah, it is kind of true. Yeah, yeah the, the guy, I mean, the guy's speaking in a way where he's clearly just butthurt, and he's just you know lashing out obviously there's some truth to this because this is a little strange uh just because of how how much time they've had to push this back they clearly didn't have a good handle on you know a reasonable release window uh or at least an understanding of how much work was going into this so it would be uh, i kind of want to know and I, i haven't been watching it as um as closely as I could have, because I know that they Double Fine has been doing video releases where they they talk about you know the game and the the development process. So for the most part, they're trying to keep some transparency alive. But you know, I assume that clearly things are going wrong or things are being um, prioritized differently than they should in this case. So yes, I get the fact that as an investor, you would be upset because things are not going as they should have, especially if you were investing with the mindset that in, what, 2018, uh, we should have been seeing some kind of revenue from that. Uh, and now they so have to So as wait an investor, you do make money, right? Even through FIG, you can actually still make something off of the game instead of just giving money to the game? Yeah, so there is there is a backing. It's like a, a, a very small percentage or something like that. I don't know exactly what it was. I know you can look it up on FIG. I just don't know it off the top of my head, but it is a small portion of it can go to those investors. And I think it's also dependent on the amount of money that you invest is going to change that percentage and the rules of what exactly happens from your perspective as a backer. 
Yeah, so when it comes to that, I was kind of curious, how exactly does Microsoft's acquisition of the studio and everything that's happened with Microsoft affect uh, the, like, the investors? Do they, like, I'm assuming that Microsoft, like, they, I, I don't know. I, it's I like, do they make money some way? Do, do they get paid out? Because, I mean, typically investors would, I believe. Yeah, so I'm assuming, and I mean, I don't know the, the legality uh, extent to FIG, uh, but I'm assuming based on, you know, how that contract works when you're investing, they're still entitled to a certain cut or a certain portion. Um, and I highly doubt that Microsoft would be, you know, someone to try to push the limit as far as a litigation scene. So I don't think they would not, um, not, uh, basically warrant that or not warrant that but they wouldn't try to go against that is what i'm trying to say i don't know why i can't think of the word right now but regardless um i would be very surprised if microsoft tried to say that they weren't going to push that money but i assume that it's going to be exactly the same that it would have in the case of them just being double fine it essentially just turns into now there's that secondary party and i don't know what kind of um, cut that Microsoft has when Double Fine would create a game because I assume it's the same concept of now it's just they're getting a certain percentage and based on that percentage the other amount is you know whatever is left would then still go to Double Fine yeah this is this is kind of a weird scenario it sucks that the game got delayed um, but I've kind of I I'm a gamer who wants crunch to not happen and wants developers to really have lives. So I'm I'm very okay with games being delayed. However much I might whine about it. Um, and like a little bit of it is a joke and a little bit of it isn't because I want my Celeste Collector's Edition. But like I'm okay with it. I'm, I'm absolutely okay with this. I think Psychonauts 2 is going to be a better game because of this delay. Especially if this delay kind of helps the the developers to actually have lives and to really polish the game um and it's kind of interesting so i thought the reason that psychonauts would get delayed was would actually be issues with starbreeze when all the like stuff came up about starbreeze going into bankruptcy but it it i i don't know if that's actually the thing now because mm. now Microsoft is publishing it. I imagine that Microsoft still has some work to do, so maybe that's like a contributing factor into why the game is being delayed. Do you think but, they're delaying it so that it could be a part of like a launch day title for uh, Scarlet? I mean, it's it's possible. I could see that happen. Um, uh, yeah, everybody's talking about how you'd need to kind of sweeten the pot with Scarlet, but it would... I, I don't know. I kind of find it hard to believe that they would delay this from like September twenty nine, like twenty nineteen, having delayed this so many times to being like September twenty nineteen to basically holiday twenty twenty. Mm -hmm. Even though that's not like it's it's a little bit more than a year, but it's not too bad. Um, right. Yeah, it could happen. It definitely yeah, could happen because no, I imagine the the exclusives are what is going to sell that console. But also, this isn't an exclusive. Well, no, so it wouldn't be exclusive. Really but I think yeah. it would be easy to to push for like, hey, you can get Psychonauts two as like a like a bundle or some sort from Microsoft. Because like the the way Microsoft is working right now is I don't think they're really going to be able to push the exclusivity factor too much at the start because a lot of their 
companies that they acquired, they're still in this weird contractual phase where many of them were working on games that they have already offered or you know stated that they're offering it for other platforms. platforms but at the same time if this is to come out and you know they bundle this as like that hey this is going to be like a microsoft deal where it's psychonauts 2 and halo in like a some kind of you know package edition of some sort then it becomes a little bit sweeter as a marketing perspective rather than you know you could probably just get it anywhere but it would be on the fastest like maybe there's no loading times for this versus on uh, a ps4 or the xbox one there might be some loading time still now with the scarlet there's nothing and that's going to be out before a ps5 is out so it's like hey this is the optimal place to play xyz and this is one of the games we're releasing at that time I will say right now, if this ends up being some sort of launch title for Project Scarlet, and I'm going to tell you right now, they have a guaranteed sale in me, which I would not buy this console otherwise immediately. If they do like a limited edition Scarlet, like Psychonauts 2 themed, which I doubt they would, Mm -hmm. considering it would be like a launch title, doubt they would, but if they did, I'd fucking buy that. That'd be awesome. It'll It'll be Project Scarlet, and it'll just be a box, but it'll be Raz's head. Yeah, I would love that. <laughs> I would legitimately buy that. I don't give a shit, dude. I love Psychonauts. That'd be great. The CD, well, I mean, I guess there would be a CD port. We don't really know yet, but the CD would just come out of his mouth every time, and you have to, like, push on his nose, and it would spit out the CD. It'd be great. <laughs> uh, but speaking of development troubles, our next news article, I should actually say before we move on, this article is over on Polygon, and it's written by Owen S. Good. I don't know if I actually said that before, but now I, I don't did. think so. Yeah, there, but Owen there is go. good. Yeah, yeah, Owen is good. Um, now we're over on Nintendo Life. This written by Gavin Lane, and it is Platonic Devs Recall the Trials and Errors of Making Ukulele. Uh, Platonic Games, a studio. <clears throat> I just had to like clear my throat randomly know, throughout like, oh, that. Pause yeah. for dramatic effects. Yeah, pregnant pause. Um, Platonic Games, a studio grown primarily from X Rare staff, struck gold with its idea of crowd. To crowdfund a Banjo Kazooie styled collectathon um, revival via Kickstarter, raising over two million pounds, I'm assuming, uh, for mm. 3D platformer Ukulele. The devs were hugely successful in tapping nostalgia for the kind of game that had fallen out of fashion over. Uh, yeah, over the years, but the success of the campaign brought with it unique challenges, which made development a struggle at times. So this is a pretty interesting article where they basically just uh, take pieces from this other like interview done with MCV. Mm-hmm. D- what what is that? I don't know. Mm-hmm. What is what is what is MCV? It's uh, I don't know. Is MCV? Uh, yeah, MCVUK.com. I have no idea what that is, even a little bit. But that's it. This is really interesting. It's an interesting article over at Nintendo Life, and I'd recommend also going and checking out the full interview if you guys would like to know a lot about what happened with ukulele. But some of this is really, really kind of it's weird in a way because lots of people will say things like, "I've honestly thought for a long time that uh, like previous gameplay conventions, and I know a lot of other people have said this, but previous gameplay conventions do not work now. They just get outdated. That's obvious. Um, yeah. And things like the weird squeaky voice, like uh, apparently annoyed people so much, and the devs thought that that would actually be kind of a thing that people looked for because it existed beforehand mm. in 3D platformers like Banjo Kazooie, and 
it's it, apparently some of the devs found it to be like a weird criticism. Uh, designer Lockwood said. Like he agreed with some with many criticisms, but one of them not being the exemption to that being the people thought it was weird that or he thought it was weird that people had such issue with the voice. I mean, mm-hmm. really, my only issue with this game is there's not enough trouser snakes, but that's just me. <laughs> it's a true, true, uh, true missed point there. Uh, but I, I really thought this was interesting from a perspective on how developers have to change up their process when they're from a crowdfunding side. So a lot of the points in this article that I thought were, you know, things you don't really think about was um, one of the major things that they were working on, they found out that, hey, they were doing a lot of like arcade game parts. They were doing a lot of kart race parts where you had to kind of like the Donkey Kong-esque where you're on a, a cart and you have to jump up and down and try to like not get hit by things and not fall through the pipes. Um, they basically said that they were working on that and a lot of it didn't feel right, but because that was one of their stretch goals in the Kickstarter, they had to keep working on it because otherwise there's the conversation of like, oh, well, you promised us this. Why isn't it in the, in the game? And it sucks because one of the things they said was like, oh, we, you know, if we didn't have that crowdfunding perspective, we could have said, oh, this doesn't work. Let's, you know, throw it out and instead work on the more positive aspects of the game and, you know, fix those up so that it's not just shoehorning all this, uh, for lack of a better word, you know, stuff that doesn't work, this crap in there. Um, but they have to because they promised it, so to speak. Which, yeah, you could say, like, well, you know, you wouldn't have gotten the money anyway because you obviously crowdfunded. But it does suck from the perspective of those people aren't obviously going to have the day-in, day-out understanding of, you know, what works and what doesn't. And also, there's so many people that you have to appease. It's hard to say, you know, oh, we're going to make a different cut to what we originally said because then you have a lot of backlash from it so i thought it was a really different perspective from this because i've always looked at this game and i said especially for me i i'm such a big fan of banjo kazooie and a lot of platformers from back in the day so when this came out this was like a big deal to me i had backed this game and i was so so super excited i remember saying on the day that it was dropping that i was like i gotta get out of work because this is just like i'm so excited to play this this is all that matters right now like this is going to be so fun it's going to be a a blast from the past and then i got it and started playing it and i was like this just doesn't feel right it just didn't click and you know it's there's a lot of obvious things that people could talk about of what was wrong i don't think the voice part was really what did it for me um which you know i i don't think they thought that either like it was it was something that was uh, an obvious knock at a nostalgia factor um so i'm wondering if a lot of the people who complained were people who didn't have the same experience like maybe weren't as banjo kazooie fans or you know weren't as big into that era but maybe they were and they just were expecting something different it's hard to tell it's hard to appease an audience especially when you're doing crowdfunding or even just in general um because everyone has their own different opinion so it was i think just an interesting perspective from it yeah, I really like how they they kind of talk about cautioning other developers from doing the Kickstarter route, specifically because not only did they have to deal with those those issues of shoveling things into their game that they didn't necessarily think 
were polished enough that they didn't think were good enough to be in there because they had promised it but also they had to do things like they talk about uh doing like the the in-house like booklets posters Mm t-shirts all of these things Mm -hmm. that they wouldn't necessarily they wouldn't have done before but now they had to because it was part of their kickstarter backing which is a little weird that they didn't necessarily like prepare for that because you offered it so you knew exactly what you need to do but i i definitely feel them i see where like being a developer it would be hard to kind of shift and be forced to make like a t-shirt or to make a poster or to make any of these other things just things you wouldn't normally do like you you make video games that's what you do you don't make marketing materials so i definitely understand that Mm -hmm. i also this like these uh, the stuff that said in this interview really makes me think about other crowdfunding games that have not done well and it makes you think if they had these same issues and maybe these games would have done better if um the these things weren't like put in because they had promised them like maybe a lot of the issues with several of these crowdfunding games that just weren't that good or they were kind of mediocre because of small parts maybe mm. those small parts were actually like put into the game half-assed because they had to do it even though that they knew that it wasn't going to work out i don't know it kind of just makes you think about like kickstarter and how i i don't know it seems like a great boon for developers because they can get their products out there and they can find an audience without having to find a publisher and they can truly work independently but then you might not think about all the extra stuff that they have to do Right. I think there's a fine line between the way to, you know, do it well and to do it mediocre. And it's really tough to understand that, especially going in because many of the people who are doing this crowdfunding are generally studios that are either, you know, even if they have well veteran developers, they're generally people who have never had their own company or are basically just one or two people trying to make it in the world and decide to do a Kickstarter, which is very impressive and you know uh worthy of praise in the sense of like okay good job you made something that people are actually proud of but you don't have a lot of experience from that perspective of actually building out a fully fleshed you know game that you can market because there's a lot of pieces that go into it that people don't really consider when they're just like we want to make a game because we got this cool idea and so i think it even though it's a cautionary tale of like, oh, it, it shouldn't be don't go the Kickstarter route. It's just you have to understand the pitfalls of what's going to go wrong. Like if you push all of those different physical items, you need to prepare for that better. You need to either have a team that's dedicated to that or, you know, some type of planning in the schedule of we need to understand that at these these different times, we can't work on the game because we have to take care of these other logistical aspects. Yeah, I definitely agree. This this shouldn't necessarily be a cautionary tale, like trying to ward people away, just like you said. It should be them. I, I don't know. It seems worded a little weird how mm-hmm. they have said, like, they're, they're cautioning developers to kind of think about other things that instead of crowdfunding. Um I, I don't know. It's it's a little odd. Yeah, they should definitely just be prepared for the realities of what crowdfunding entails. Like you said, me being a big fan of like physical rewards, I never would have thought of how annoying this kind of shit is for developers. No. Um, and now it's it's obviously a real thing. It's like, oh yeah, we we didn't know how many people would buy a statue that now we not only like have to like. Uh, 
kind of like mock up the statue but we also have to reach out to somebody to make the statue you just kind of don't think about all the little things that go into a crowdfunding thing especially not me which is a little weird considering that we talk about fucking kickstarter games every week (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's one thing to be on the consumer side versus the actual uh product side so but I mean, it's it's all good. This I, I do like the fact that they are being very open and they're being very understanding of like the pitfalls of this, which makes me a little more uh, excited for the more kind of Donkey Kong Country esque game that they're creating with ukulele. I honestly don't care much for the ukulele just characters, which is kind of why I definitely think i wasn't as big of a fan of the series in general um but i'm hoping that they can recreate a lot of what makes donkey country uh and games of that caliber special uh and put that in their new game that's coming forward especially now that they don't have to have those same kind of you know goals or promises that they have to keep up so it'll be interesting to see how this one turns out that is very true, but it will also be interesting to see how our next indie game news story pans out, which it technically already has already by the has, time that yeah. this is aired, so I guess I just don't know. But this is also over on uh, Nintendo Life, and I believe it's actually written by the exact same guy. Yes, it is. Uh, this is written by Gavin Lane, and it is Brazilian devs and Nintendo fans band together for unofficial Nintendo Direct. A group of game developers... Um, Game development studios. I had to do it both times. Just had to clear my throat both times. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Game development studios, content creators, and fans have joined forces in Brazil to launch their very own Nintendo Direct tomorrow evening at 8 p.m. Brasilia time. That's an interesting way to say that. I I have no idea that that's how you'd say that. That's cool. Uh, This has already happened, so... Yeah, but it's still interesting. Uh, The event, which is 100% unofficial, is designed to attract the attention of Nintendo and highlight the huge interest from Brazilian fans in having a more significant official presence in the country, with more games translated into Portuguese and a focus on the Brazilian games development scene. A website has been set up asking participating fans to use hashtags uh, NindiesBR and hashtag we want nintendo in order to demonstrate the passion of brazilian gamers and content creators uh for the japanese company and its output the direct presentation itself will be 20 minutes long and feature games from a host of indies uh from across the world including chucklefist joy masher matt makes games hopefully it was a freaking release date for the new celeste dlc um <laughs> probably not and uh <laughs> qbyte qubyte interactive i i don't know um aquarius maybe uh to name just a few <laughs> Uh, here's the full <laughs> list. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of them that are on here, including BitKid, uh, the developers of Chasm, uh, Celador Games, the developers of Rogue Legacy, all sorts of awesome, awesome stuff here. Um, yeah, I wish I was slightly more prepared and realized that this had already happened so I could give you guys an update on what actually happened. Yeah, yeah. so, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> I... Uh, I, found, I saw this article and uh, actually watched the event because it happened yesterday. I uh, didn't, it was kind of funny. I was like talking to my wife. I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. This is like an, an interesting thing that people are doing. And she's like, oh, are you going to watch it? And I was like, yeah. And I was like, when is it? And I was like, oh, it was an hour ago. 
<laughs> it's like so no <laughs> but i went i went back and i watched the youtube uh vod of it and i was like okay so i'll see what's going on uh, the problem is with this it's obviously a fan made thing so it's like it's super cool that they're doing this but they're not going to have a lot of and especially because they're underrepresented already they're not going to have a lot of you know big announcements there's only technically three games that were featured because they're new and not previously announced ads um which was something about chroma squad uh htr high-tech racing and uh the Vasera collection which is like a kind of like a gradia uh type game like one of those shmups um and that was pretty cool it was interesting um a lot of the other ones were just things that we already knew but were more of like hey there's a brazilian you know studio behind this game or you know there's a team of uh from brazil who works on the art style like in celeste for this game um which was interesting to know because i like i never would have known any of that i didn't think about that before um so i was like oh that's kind of cool it's you know something different i liked how they had they they set it up very nintendo direct-esque they had a guy who was doing the whole like i'm gonna talk about the game now blah 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 blah, and then it goes like to the thing they didn't do the the snap though which i was very disappointed in but um (laughs) the guy did have a katana and showed it off two different times for two different games which i was like clearly they didn't have enough props and they only had the katana but i mean it's, it's pretty it's pretty cool it's a katana uh there's somebody behind the camera who's like put down the fucking sword and he's like dude i'll cut you <laughs> i'll fucking cut you and so you know you don't you don't fuck with the guy with the katana so uh that's pretty much how it went but no it was it's good and i i liked the fact that they're doing this just to give some representation some awareness in that kind of world saying you know like hey we're from brazil we we actually want games like start uh pushing for this this area like why don't we get more uh more ports down here why don't we get more translations down here and that was something like from my perspective as an american and someone who is obviously uh got a lot of the games right at my fingertips i would have never thought about that from a translation perspective um, and it was interesting because a lot of people in like the comments are saying like, oh, I have to change my Nintendo account to like a UK account just so I can get certain games because they don't even offer it from like the Brazilian servers and things like that. So it's something you wouldn't really think about. And I think it's definitely good from an awareness perspective. I honestly don't think they're going to raise too many eyebrows over at Nintendo just yet. But depending on how much this goes, you know, how how if they can keep something up like this or, you know, keep trying to push for this, I'm sure eventually this will start to, to, you know, change a few minds and maybe get them in the right direction. Um, this is another one of those things where it's a change org, uh, you know, one of those petitions where it's like, come on guys, nothing comes of this. But I mean, they yeah. Have... Do you see in the comments somebody? Yeah, put that was my the, favorite. The my... water and scissors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For those obviously listening, it, there's a faucet that says the world's problems, and it's shooting out water, and somebody's trying to cut it with scissors, and it says change.org petitions. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty true, but yeah. But they got forty-five thousand nine hundred eighty-one people right now who have signed. So you know. Nintendo, come on. These people want to give their money away. What are you doing? Yeah, that is kind of weird. I Just like you said, 
me also being privileged to like live in the United States where video games are readily available. Honestly, the real privilege is living in Japan because it seems like the only games that really don't go like anywhere else. Like there are American made video games that go overseas everywhere, mm-hmm. but Japanese video games sometimes do not leave. And they've got some of the coolest fucking games. They've made a shitload of Metabots games that for some reason do not come to the United States. I want to play Metabots games. God damn it. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That's maybe kinda my... maybe we should start our own official, unofficial Nintendo Direct for Japanese games that we want. You know? <laughs> yeah, and it'll uh, unbeknownst to you, it'll be like uh, twenty minutes of me talking about why they should bring different Metabots games to the United States. Uh, yeah, I'm sure people will watch <laughs> that. <laughs> <laughs> they like pops in, and I just sit down. And I'm like, let's talk about Metabots, and you're like, God damn it! God damn it! <laughs> all right i'll allow it as long as you put the snap in there what what is your thing with this snap i guess i, I i'm like not it. i'm definitely not a person who should judge anybody for not liking a tiny thing I, I like it it's 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 a it's appealing it's it's nice on the ears you know you get that little it's just good that's true i do really like that uh but of course, yesterday, you really got filled. You got crammed with a Oof. whole lot of Brazilian uh, content, media in general. Um, so it's about time that we cram you some more with our news cram segment. Cram, 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 cram. <laughs> I liked figured. the, uh, the like, echo. Yeah, I figured I'd do it differently today. <laughs> yeah, that was quite interesting. Uh, news cram is where we have a whole bunch of in-games news stories that we're not going to dive deep into unless we decide to because that just happens sometimes um first over on ign we've got cult horror game devotion will not be re-released after joke about the chinese president i love that this game keep fucking keeps coming up it's so funny winnie the pooh is just the uh the meme that won't die yeah winnie the pooh and uh what is it tigger It, it was tigger to to represent barack obama (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> when they were like walking together somebody posted that picture <laughs> Good <times>. um <laughs> then over on polygon we've got iron maiden lawsuit forces renaming of duke nukem successor that is ion maiden by the way so yeah. stupid now it's, now it's, it's ion, ion fury, fury? yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid I mean, oh my god what are you gonna do i mean honestly though like it's kind of funny because there's a lot of people who would never know anything about this game, would never even cared, and now it's like it's getting constantly talked about in media just because of the fact that this stupid like name change. So maybe, you know, maybe it's going to catch a few eyes and there'll be more fans of the game just because they're like, what the hell is, what Iron Maiden's mad at someone? What is this? And they like they're like, "Oh, okay." And maybe they'll get it, you know? Who knows? Yeah, this is like an any press is good press kind of a situation. Yeah, maybe pretty much. Maybe. <laughs> Especially I mean, for a small we'll indie game. Yeah, I mean, never know. The fact that they even got an article talking about them is, uh, you know, it's something. <laughs> Our next article is over on Game Informer. It is new Double Fine video shows inside look at Psychonauts two and Microsoft purchase at E three. Then we're heading. Uh, st- no, we're not because I wasn't looking at the right one. Staying over on Game Informer, it is Dead Cells' latest console update introduces a new foe and gameplay tweaks. He looks now, pretty spooky. Yeah, he looks weird. <laughs> he looks gross. Even the the creatures in Dead Cells just look gross. They're great. Not they're a fan. Great. If there was more slimes in Dead Cells, then I'd I mean be they're kind of slimy. They're like 
Okay, I'm talking about slimes, not slimy. They're definitely slimy. They look like if I touched them, my hand would stick a little bit, and I get I that mean, little like residue would, on your fingers. You're like, ew. That would be the slime if you touched a slime. What's the difference? They're just not all slime. They're slimy. One looks cute. <laughs> I mean, mm, we'll, we'll we'll circle around back. I'm sure another week on this. <laughs> Uh, then uh, we are over on Twinfinite. It is uh, Stranded Sails Explore, uh, Explorers of the Cursed Island set sail in October. Um, now on Nintendo Life. <laughs> I like this one. <laughs> Erotic Horror Lust for Darkness might, uh, might be the most risque game on Switch, and it's out today. Gotta you like it. this one? Like you bought the game? or like... <laughs> No. <laughs> I just I just think it's funny that Nintendo of all like consoles is becoming the, the place to get, for some reason, these like, naughty games. titles? <laughs> yeah. yeah. The anime titties games? <laughs> yeah, like what are you doing, Nintendo? Of all things for you to crack down on, like why is it not these? whatever dude it's awesome i'm totally fine with it because <laughs> apparently right. playstation doesn't like them anymore so that's why what not? i'm saying like uh, i i feel like playstation would have more of a lax view on it than nintendo does but yeah they did for years like it's, the senra and kagura games came out on i mean they definitely didn't come out exclusively on playstation consoles but a lot of them were on them uh interesting enough there's a senra and kagura maybe several on the 3ds it was uh, in my GameStop, and we actually had to keep the box behind the counter because it had a booklet inside that showed very distinctly nipples. Ooh, Not like a bear nipple, but like really like through like the shirt nipple? nipples. Yeah, like like <laughs> when your nipples get hard and you can see them through your shirt, like they look like they can cut glass, that kind of a nipple. It oh, showed dang. that and we had to keep it behind the counter because a, uh, a like a customer's mom complained about it. Got to ruin ruin all the fun. Damn moms. <laughs> Uh, then we're staying on Nintendo Life. Old school platformer Phantom Gear uh, hopping, <clears throat> no, not hopping, hoping for a Sega Mega Drive release. Uh, then we've got Tesla Grand's physical Switch edition launches this September. Uh, mm-hmm. Quirky Switch shooter Morphe's Law returns with new maps, modes, servers, and more. Uh, smash your way through hordes of the undead in Zombie Driver Immortal Edition on the Switch. Just to let you know, these are like all on Nintendo Life. So unless I say other <laughs> Otherwise, these are on Nintendo Life. Just make it easier for everybody. Uh, we've got Shakedown Hawaii's full tank update, now live, 3DS version still on the way. Uh, Runbow Dev announces Dawn of the Monsters, a brand new kaiju brawler. <laughs> it looks pretty cool, dude. I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, oh, it's talking to you. Yeah, seriously. Uh, Seal Fledge is a daughter-raising simulator heading to Switch this autumn. Uh, random... Wait. I hate that they put random here. Random. Uh, yeah. <laughs> random. This new indie developer, Turok, looks nothing like the previous entries. Yeah, because it's freaking cute. It's not it, stupid uh, looking. It looks terrible. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, but the opposite of that. <laughs> uh, then we're over on Twinfinite. It is Dauntless 0.9.0 patch notes reveal new features and lots of quality of life updates. So, big Josh boy, we've been blessed with so many amazing indie games news stories today that I think it's about time we give back to the creators. In our next segment, God bless the crowd, this is where the biggest of Josh, or the uh, the biggest of average Josh boys <laughs> goes in to different crowdfunding sites, finds some awesome 
awesome indie games for us to talk about, and we do so, generally never shitting on them. Uh, this oh, week, yeah, we have definitely. two actually pretty awesome picks. Uh, we've got Kingdoms of the Dump, an <laughs> in SNES-style RPG with the platforming elements in a fantasy world of trash, and we've got theropods maybe an adventure game full of dinosaurs so let's pop in Mm -hmm. to kingdoms of the dump this game looks freaking cool yeah uh (laughs) you know there's some weeks where i go through here and i'm like god there's nothing and then there's other weeks where i'm like jesus which ones should i pick there's too many good ones but this was like one of the the first ones i saw that i was like man this definitely looks like something i would enjoy playing yeah, it looks really cool. It has a lot of interesting characters. The The things I find a little bit weird is it's supposed to be entirely revolving around trash, which is easily featured in the fact that a lot of the characters, like one of the characters is literally a trash can. Another mm-hmm. character is a rat. Another is like a cockroach. Um, like, so they, they make sense. But then there are some like a walker jacket that's just a jacket with like a gun. I mean, what? It makes it makes total sense. What are you talking about, man? I mean, there's another one that you would expect to not see within a landfill or garbage. That's uh, cerulean, which is a laundry mage, basically. Yeah. It's a laundromancer. I would not expect to see that in a dump. I mean, not even a little bit. Some detergent that's at the bottom of the box, you know, gets thrown out. I guess boy. it checks out, but yeah, yeah. laundry um, boy. Come on, now everybody knows him. <laughs> Kingdoms of the Dump is uh, currently looking for $60,000. That's their goal. They've got 27 days left to go. They are more than halfway funded. I hope this game gets funded because it's really, Dude, really are you cool. kidding me? It's definitely going to get funded. This thing is halfway, and it's only three days in. I've been That's seeing this. Point. this the, the, the money count just keeps going up. They'll get it. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, so to actually get the game, you only have to spend fifteen dollars, and you get that digital copy, and you also get your name in the credits. That's the garbage night. Um, don't <laughs> you want to be a garbage level? boy? <laughs> I'm already a garbage person, so I don't think I really <laughs> yeah. need to be a garbage boy. But this game looks really cool. It does. I mean, I I definitely like it just because it's it's clearly going for the old, you know, SNE style uh, or sorry, SNES style um, gameplay. As far as like, you could tell there's a lot of Chrono Trigger um, elements to it. There's a lot of just general JRPG flavor in it as well, like from just all over. Um, but I really like the way they did the battle system, which is like a turn based but grid system it looks like so i'm, I'm kind of interested to see how that plays out but then you also have the overworld where it seems like it's more platformy uh so i don't know I, i'm not really too sure what the the mix of things will be they say there's no random encounters so i assume it's going to be somewhat like a super mario rpg type game mixed with chrono trigger which sounds awesome um but i mean for only 15 bucks it looks like it's a pretty good purchase yeah this looks like a fantastic purchase this game looks really really cool honestly it seems really ambitious i'm glad that like games like this are coming out when they take just normal looking things just a normal everyday life thing and then they change it uh with the exception of that really dumb game that was like the food guy the freaking piece of toast that looked really stupid the bread man or something yes Uh, that that game was dumb you're a fool (laughs) Uh, this game looks awesome like this reminds me so much of like 
how Hollow Knight, like the, the, just, it reminds me a lot of Hollow Knight, not because of anything in the game, but because Hollow Knight took something that you just wouldn't expect, which is just bugs. It's just bugs living under the ground, and it made it this really awesome lore-heavy game, um, and it's just a lot of fun, and now we've got this game that's like this awesome SNES-style RPG about the dump. That's it. It's like this... It's really interesting and cool. It's not typical, which I'm really like, Mm -hmm. I'm glad that it's not that way. It's not the same cookie cutter game. They took something and they made it different, like something in our everyday lives. I'm, I'm actually very excited for this. I'm not normally like a huge SNES style, like RPG player, but I will definitely play this. I'm also like waiting for CrossCode to come to the Switch. So, you know, this actually looks a lot like CrossCode. Which sounds a little weird. So I'm only talking about the uh, like the art style yeah, and how they're yeah, yeah. both based like loosely on SNES style games. Mm-hmm. I, I think that way it looks a lot like CrossCode. First off, you got to play CrossCode. Such a good I'm game. going to when it comes to the Switch. It is such a good game. Uh, second, yeah, this is like the the Super Nintendo era is basically like my time. I have a lot of fond memories of many of the games from that era and this really hits home uh i definitely want to see more of it um as far as like they're they're clearly you know there's some that they're showing but like i'd like to see more about like how the battle works because they haven't shown a lot of it they've only shown a little bit of certain attacks and movements but i definitely think that for the 15 dollars purchase it's pretty worth it they also have some interesting um reward tiers of getting like uh the snes box which is like a fake uh snes cartridge (laughs) that they they've created once you get past the it looks like it's at the 75 no 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 now you have to go to the hundred dollar mark though which kind of sucks um it doesn't work uh i don't believe so let me see because i believe it said something about it being like a mock design but let me double check that kind of sucks i mean still really cool yeah it says fake snes cartridge that opens up with a usb inside oh okay that's that's kind of cool i mean it would be a little bit more interesting like other games how like a hyperlight drifter it's collector's edition um released through i am 8-bit had a working snes cartridge i believe it blows my Um, mind that people are still doing that though like yeah, we had one last, uh, either last week or two weeks ago, the Orange game. Yeah, the Orange Island, I think it was called. Yeah, Orange yeah. Island, yeah. They they were doing an SNES cartridge, which is just so interesting. It's so cool. Mm-hmm. I also like how they, they gave a direct timeline in this of saying, like, hey, uh, there will be two different demos, like a beta test. It is kind of a long time, but they're saying that development is just beginning this year. So I think it makes sense that they're not showing a lot. We're clearly just seeing like prototypes of what's happening. Um, But they plan on releasing the game in 2020, um, which is interesting that they're already giving those uh, different timeline events. But I think it's cool that they're at least trying to pace themselves and set those direct goals of when they're going to give the, the backers demos. So something I would like to say that doesn't have anything to do with backers and demos. Mm. This is exactly what I'm talking about, where you could take something simple and make it amazing. The slimes in this game are trash bags, Josh. They're freaking trash bags, and it's awesome, okay? The game made about trash, they're like, hey, let's take this normal enemy that is seen in every RPG and we'll make it our own. And they made a freaking trash bag, and it's awesome. 
unlike Trubbish, the Pokemon that's just fucking dumb. <laughs> oh, had a real soft spot there. <laughs> I hate that Pokemon so much. It's so stupid. <laughs> All right, then. Um, I guess, yeah, I guess that's Kingdom of the Dumps. I just like the name also. <laughs> yeah, it is really interesting. I mean, it sounds a lot like poop, but whatever. Uh, the next game we've got in God Bless the Crowd is Theropods, an adventure game full of dinosaurs. I'm assuming this is a point-and-click adventure game. Yes. It looks a lot like it. Uh, they are well, looking... It, what? It, it, like, it is and isn't, because there's definitely parts in there where it's like it's a point and click but it looks like there's also random like run sequences so yeah i saw that it yeah. does so i guess it's like it's not fully point and click because there's parts where it'll be more adventure style where it's like oh you have to it's more of like a reaction time kind of a thing um but probably i would say the majority of this game is going to be point and click Dude, this is a me-ass game. So they're looking for $22,427 is their goal. They've got 8420 bucks, so 21 days left to go. I definitely think they will hit it as well. Um, the reason I say this is a me game is because it's got great pixel art. It's got dinosaurs, and it's got fucking aliens, Josh. This is my jam. This is exactly what I want. All right, aliens. Well, you only have to pay $13 for that early bird dinosaur hunter tier. That is true. Or you could pay seventeen to get a copy of the game just normally. But I, the the early bird still has a shitload, so I'd probably just do the early bird. You know what I mean? Why I not mean, spend less money? Yeah, I mean, while <laughs> the uh, opportunity is there, you should probably do it. I mean, <laughs> I really do love dinosaurs, though. I'm not even joking. And I think the alien looks so cute in this. How he jumps out of the bush like all <laughs> nonchalantly is <laughs> so funny. I will say, like, I. I don't know. Ever since watching the Goblin Slayer anime, watching people get torn apart by barbarians or just fucked up shit, it kind of it's it sets me off in a weird way. Not a big fan. <laughs> oh no. Uh, <laughs> Have no, you watched this, Goblin Slayer? It's no, fucked up. I, I haven't. But I was gonna say this game was almost perfect, and then something <laughs> fucked it up for you. <laughs> no, it's just because I'm a weirdo. But yeah, this game looks really, really interesting. Um, their last tier gets you a hand sculpted T Rex figure. Oh, Man, crazy. now that we like read this this ukulele interview, it really makes me like. I don't know. It kind of makes me worry when I read like physical items kind of like that. It, it makes me worried for these small developers that they'll have to put so much work into these weird physical items that it's like, dude, maybe you should just like, maybe the only physical item you should like advertise as a t-shirt. Like mm. that, that, that might be it. Maybe, maybe not do this sculpture, but also uh, you'd be pledging like freaking over a thousand dollars. So I mean, yeah, if people are buying that, well, actually, three people bought it. So holy shit! Yeah, yeah oh no, did. two they... people. I'm sorry, three are left. Yeah, three are left. Two bought it, but still though, but you still, can get yeah. all sorts of cool stuff. You a Skype call, a pixel portrait. Um, you get a Kickstarter exclusive T-shirt, a postcard. You get that figure. Um, design your own, oh you son of a bitch design your own dinosaur to be in the game <laughs> I mean you could literally create a dinosaur don't you want to I could make, make a slime dinosaur you could see <laughs> you could make a slime dinosaur and put him in this game and you'd be like look at this guy he's so cute but also different maybe you know what maybe I'll do is if I ever back in these games uh, at these tiers 
which will never happen. Um, but if I did, maybe every single enemy that I put in a game will be a slime. See? <laughs> you should just back... Yeah, you get rich, back all of these games, and put the same slime in just, like, every game. So he's just constantly appearing and making uh, all these special guest appearances. And then people yeah, will be it's like, like a slime cinematic universe. Yeah, and people <laughs> will get so confused, and they'll be like, yeah, he came from... He has his own original game, and that's how, like, everyone's just guest starring him. And you'll just make it seem like you have your own game and you're super famous with your slime I'll make our. I'll make a website, and they'll be like, where can I buy this game? And then it's like, here's the link to download it. And then they download the link, and it's just a JPEG of me, like, being like, ha-ha, fuck you. <laughs> it's not quite where I was going with that, but yeah, we can no? we can have it turn that way too, I guess. <laughs> I suppose if that's what you want to do. You're like, you know, you could actually make the game and actually, you know, contribute to society, but why not just be an asshole? That just sounds like your personality. Yeah, and then you could put it on Kickstarter and we could talk about it. And then I can shit on your game, you <laughs> fuck. <laughs> that's very true. I feel like eventually this is going to come back to haunt me in my career, like game journalism. People are going to be like, yeah, you talk shit about my game. Like, ten years ago. (laughs) Maybe. But uh, only positive things for uh, this game. Actually, to to be honest and actually talk about the game, the dinosaurs are super cute. Like, (laughs) I love the little mini dinosaurs. They look so funny when they're scampering around. Um, This isn't my style of game. I'm generally not a point-and-click adventure type person. uh, Just because, I don't know, I just never really get into them. But it does look very interesting from an art perspective. Um, I'm assuming that this would be a fun game to play. It's just generally not my style. But uh, more power to them. Yeah, I I will say it's it's not really... I'm not a big like point-and-click adventure game kind of guy either. The only point-and-click games I've really played are the Pajama Sam games when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. Um, Good times. Which were just fantastic. And then there was these weird math games that I was just shit at because I'm not good at math. Hence why I never actually decided to go into computer science and make video games because I'm trash at math. Mm. Instead, I talk shit about them. Maybe that's the reason I talk shit about games is because they're good at math and I'm not. (laughs) Just super jelly. Yeah, I'm just a little dum-dum who's super jealous about them creating the games. That probably has a lot of truth in it, if I'm being honest. But I will say about this game... I love the opening of its trailer, how it has the dinosaur run to one side and it runs into the girl, runs to the other side, and the guy's standing there, and then a guy just falls out of a tree. (laughs) Wow. Is is this the first time you're appreciating a Kickstarter trailer? Okay, some of them are good. Some of them are legitimately good. Other ones are dumb. They're just (laughs) bad. If you say freaking slay the spire 50,000 times in your trailer and your game is not slay the spire you just stop why did you make that trailer who wrote it i mean they got me that's true they did get you (laughs) maybe they should have said it 10 more times and i would have gotten involved they spoke to me they knew what to say they said slay the spire and i said oh that's a good game i'll buy it These are some great games. These are some good picks. I will still say, what is up with people releasing their games on Mac? I don't understand, but whatever. That's <laughs> cool. Do either of these games actually have any sort of stretch goal that talks about like bringing them to consoles, or are these just specifically looking for PC ports right now, or PC versions? So this one, uh, where is it? I don't think it was in this one, but in the one right before, there were stretch goals, but they were 
not very well shown. I think it was, uh, God, let me see what it, so for Kingdoms of the Dump, their main pledge that they wanted to meet was 60,000, and I think 80K was putting it to the switch. Let me try to find it. Yeah, uh, 80,000 yeah, 80, console ports. Yeah, and yep. then the others are locked. Um, so we'll see, depending on how far they get. I don't see any stretch goal with Theropod, though. Hmm. Yeah, coming to consoles would be pretty awesome. I guess a point-and-click adventure game would be somewhat... Like, it would be a little bit harder to make on consoles, but, like... Uh, I mean, not for the Switch, though. Yeah, I was going to say Broken Age. Uh, I played on Vita, and it was pretty easy to play, so, like, they're not unheard of on consoles. They're, I just feel like they'd be slightly annoying. Yeah, I mean, there's there's small accessibility changes they have to make that, obviously, I, I say small. Like, there would be rework, but it's not, you know, impossible. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. But I think it's about time we wind down this podcast and hop into our random question of the day. This week, I wanted to talk about something that has come up within the games industry based on uh, something that happened with Ubisoft, Watch Dogs Legion, and Hit Record, Joseph mm. Gordon-Levitt's, like, kind of, uh, cr- I don't really know how to explain it. It's kind of a... Uh, like a community project where people create content it's it's really interesting um i believe hit record actually has like a show on netflix or they have episodes somewhat of a show on netflix it's really interesting um but this week i wanted to talk about how you feel about hobbyists working for free so that would basically be what we're doing so the reason I wanted to talk about this is because I was listening to kind of funny games daily and greg was talking about it um and like different people have spoken about it and they've talked about how it's kind of like it's either messed up or it's fine they're like oh yeah this these are fans like working for the game they just want to get their stuff in the game um but then like greg has also been really vocal about people not working for free if you're good at something get paid for it he's Mm -hmm. been very vocal about if you want to get into the games industry kind of don't don't do it for free but that's it's it's somewhat unrealistic to not do it for free nowadays you can of course do things on like youtube and stuff where technically you're doing it for free but it's not just for exposure it's also like eventually you might make money on it and right yeah i just i wanted to know how you feel about this like hobbyists working for free on games or writing for game sites stuff like that how, how do you feel i should preface this with saying if you don't know about the watchdog legion thing um there's this whole issue with people making songs to go into the game themselves and there's like kind of a contest going on in the winners um who actually win this and gets their their songs in the game um they get to split a prize of two thousand dollars but people also take issue with that because sometimes like 20 people might work on a song and then two thousand dollars split among them is not that much um so there's all sorts of issues mm-hmm. with this but i want to know how you feel about it uh yeah so my my take on this is i mean it might be seen as negative but i'm i'm with uh the side of like this is not a bad thing um so my reasoning behind this is generally they tell you not to work for free and i i get that there's some there's some understanding that hey you shouldn't do everything you shouldn't pour your heart and soul into someone who's consistently just taking your content and giving you nothing back in return um and that's fine and dandy but in some cases you have to do that to kind of grease the wheels in some cases um and also it's not just like you shouldn't 
like I'd like to to preface it a little different. You shouldn't work for free, but you can work for free if you're doing things such as creating content to build a portfolio. I see in my eyes that that's still valuable because you're still at the end of the day doing it for you as long as you can repurpose that content as something that you can say, hey, I did this and I can use this as some kind of selling point for myself to another potential client or you know, employer of some sort. So what I mean by this in, in this exact example is people are getting really upset that like, hey, you're working on this and you're just working for the chance to get that money. But like even taking the game aspect aside of like, I might be doing this because I really want to, because I want to see my content in that, they're not forcing anyone. This isn't like slave labor. This isn't them saying you have to make this song and you might get a good thing if you're good enough. They could also not do this at all. Like the fact that people are upset that they're giving them a chance to possibly get in there when like, let's think of this realistically, they probably wouldn't have considered any of the people who will probably get in there at all. Like this is a way, and yes, granted, there's probably more avenues that they could you know, go the route of like, oh, we're only gonna pick more smaller or independent type uh, you know, music for this game, but that's not a realistic representation because there's a lot of risk with that. And it's also not well-known music, which means it's not going to sell as well in the grand eyes of, you know, the popular media. So I, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think people are getting pretty flustered for it. And yes, it sucks that you have to split that money. But like I said, this isn't, this isn't something you have to do. This isn't something where you need to say like, oh, if you're living, you know, from paycheck to paycheck, it sucks. But like, if that's your financial situation where you're in, like, you need this money, you should do something different. That's not a risky move like this. Like, you should do this if you're very interested in it, if you like doing it as a hobby, and you want to see if you can potentially get some money and get your music out there, or if you, you know, just want to try and create something based on this and use it as that marketable selling point for yourself. You can, you know, even if you don't get picked, you still have the rights to that song. You still have that media that you can then use somewhere else. I mean, clearly, if you make it very, very specific to like Watch Dog Legions, like if you do something like that, like you're probably not <laughs> going to be able to sell it off as well to something else. But like, still, I highly doubt anyone's going to be doing that. Yes, yeah, we both are like speaking from a place of actually working for free, which is kind of interesting because there are actual positive like repercussions uh there there are positive things that come from working for free so both of us i initially wrote for parallax media i wrote by myself and then john reached out to me which it was pretty lucky he had this site and he wanted me to write for it and while going through all of this not only have i personally um developed skills and learned much more about the industry but also a large part of what seems like just the games industry is networking Mm. And like I spoke to Jake Decker just the other day because um, I had hit him up about how awesome it was. He was on KFGD and we were talking about how networking is such a big part in the games industry. Mm-hmm. And like working uh, like at times you you might have to work for free or whatever. Right now we're both working for free. It's it's not a big deal. We do this because it's fun and we love it. Nobody's taking advantage of us. And in the end, we are actually going to in a way profit from this because 
I'm going to go into the games industry. It, I mean, it's, I'm saying that as a hundred percent, it's going to happen because that's, I'm going to make it happen. Mm -hmm. But when I go into the games industry, I'm going to have made connections with the people at these smaller sites. And I'm going to have all of that backlog content. And now I'm learning. Like, I initially was writing stuff just for myself, and then when I came to Parallax Media, people started editing it, and I learned how to use different resources. I learned uh, different, uh, like, PR sites. We gained access to terminals. There's mm -hmm. there's all sorts of stuff that you really gain from working for free, even though it sounds terrible. Um you can gain something for working for free. Like, not I'm not necessarily saying, like, working for exposure only. The exposure thing is dumb. Just working so people might see your name is dumb. But if you are actually getting experience, like, real-world experience from it, then it's it's kind of a great opportunity in a way. If you got paid for it, it'd be better, obviously. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing nothing beats actually getting paid for it. But I mean, there's a lot of like that's the thing is what I'm saying is like no one's forcing you to do this. You need to if you're going to work for free, you need to outweigh the benefits, you know, and negatives that come with it. Like I do this, you know, I write for the site, which I don't do as much as I should just because, you know, recently my life's been getting a little more hectic, but generally I write for the site, I do videos, I do, you know, this podcast, I do it on my own free time. And yes, I'm not getting like paid specifically, but I enjoy doing it and I get that experience. And that is what, you know, keeps pushing me to do that because maybe one day there is me, you know, breaking into some, some side of the games journalist site um, or side of things. But, you know, even if that doesn't happen, I'm gaining experience that I can use elsewhere, even, you know, just in my daily life anyway, from my career, because I work with uh, video editing. So the fact that I do those video reviews and I've, you know, gotten experience trying to play around with things, like I learn from that and I get better. And although it's not the most ideal way, because clearly getting paid would be better, sometimes you have to take those risks and those are things that you have to, you know, think in your head, is this really worth it? And sometimes it clearly is. Sometimes it clearly isn't. And sometimes it's a gray area. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's well said. That's very true. Sometimes you get some great stuff. Sometimes you don't. Uh, that is about the end of this podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you guys liked it, um, make sure to follow us on social platforms. You can follow me at, on Twitter at Hyde Legion. You can follow the podcast at IndiePod. And you can follow Josh at the underscore George 90. Didn't mess it up that time. I so hope. proud. So proud. Yes. Boom. <laughs> um, we post new episodes each and every Friday. Fr fuck, dude. I didn't mess it up, and then I said Friday Bay. God damn it. I'm done. This podcast is over. Goodbye. Well, what a great show. <laughs> Bye, guys. Piss myself off. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's a cut. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. 